What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched Barbie. What? The movie. Barbie the movie. Barbie the movie. Barbie the movie. And these are our four first impressions without any. Our fourth impressions. Our f- maybe it's been a little, it's been a week since we saw it, so maybe we've gone through multiple impressions between yeah. between. Uh, now we haven't and talked then. about it with each other. No, so. we haven't talked about it, and these are unresearched, off the cuff. Opinions with spoilers, and there are spoilers, and it's a new movie, and so if you don't want it spoiled, don't go, listen to this podcast. go see it first, yeah. then come back and yeah. listen to the podcast. And I'm afraid I don't have a lot of smart things to say. No? Uh, about it. Okay, well, podcast over. I mean, I have things, I have some things to say about it, but I feel like I should have more smart Things to well, say. Well, let's start with the easiest one. Did you like it? Yes. Okay, good. That's I, important. I thought it met my expectations. My mm-hmm. expectations were very high. Mm-hmm. Um, it did not exceed my expectations. Mm-hmm. But as I said, my expectations, expectations were pretty high. Pretty high. So. Yeah, I would. I would say I had a similar reaction. Um, I had high expectations, and it managed to meet them. Um, it's funny saying this. It's not a complex film. No, no, it's it's pretty boilerplate um, um, plot wise. It's very well done, um, but it's not a film for me anyway that I walked away like thinking about it for a long time. Where I do with some films, where mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm going to think on this for months. Like I watched this and was like, yeah, that's a pretty good Barbie movie. Uh, better than it should have been <clears throat> for, you know, a Barbie movie. Um, but also, when you come away from it with, like, well, it was, you know, written and directed by Greta Gerwig and co- co-written by Noah Baumbach, like, it met all of the expectations I had for it being a pretty good movie by that creative team. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the fact that it was, it was, it was pretty good with a basic... A basic like fish out of water, sort of. Yeah, I so it's I not quite. Yeah. I don't have a quick. There's a little bit of fish out of water, and then there's a bit of like a reversal of roles, mm-hmm. and then. Yeah, I think a worse version of this would could have taken the fish out of water trope, and that been the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, where when Barbie goes to the real world, that. That's where we spend the majority of the film when we only get a, a resolution in Barbie Land yeah. at the very end, if at all. Um, which is what I was afraid of mm-hmm. when I saw the initial trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly because Barbie Land is such a visual treat. Um, that is one of the things that I I never got tired of, which was looking at... This wonderful soundstage of a set that they've built that is Barbie Land mm-hmm. um, and is that authentic fakeness that it's is like, fun to look at. It's fun, is so captures the Barbie toys, but also like this classic Hollywood mm-hmm. use of um, studios. Mm hmm. For yeah, the the authentic artificiality. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's set in a real place, but um, it's it's still artificial yeah. looking. Well, like, the, the, the plastic wave Hollywood. at the beach is yeah. just like one frozen plastic wave, <laughs> and you can just walk on all of the water because it's all plastic. There's yeah. not there's no swimming. You just sit around at the beach and hmm. play volleyball and have fun. And, like, most of the food in the fridge is painted on. And all of the yeah. houses don't have exterior walls. Because that's not how Barbie houses work. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> so, like, it's one of those films that's almost like a magic trick. In that they show you everything. You see everything that it, that is done. And they make it look so effortless and magical that it's they don't need to show you that it's impressive it's just impressive in and of itself um 
but then it almost makes like some of it mundane because it's just so matter of fact. I don't know if that made any sense at all. <coughs> One thing I liked is that the trailer didn't give away too much. Mm-hmm. Like the trailer's really focused on maybe the first twenty five percent of the movie. <coughs> yeah. And we're gonna pause this time so you can cough. Maybe. <laughs> Um, so, I knew there would be a moment where Barbie was be in the real world, but I didn't know that the bulk of the film would be Ken comes back to rule Barbie land, Mm -hmm. to overthrow the Barbies, Yeah, none of that was clear at all. (laughs) So, that was really nice, because I feel like trailers these days give you the whole movie. Mm Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I was real worried that we were going to have an overabundance, from the trailer, an overabundance of Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. And he was used the right amount. Yeah. Um, it certainly didn't become a Will Ferrell movie. It didn't feel like it was taking over everything. It, it was He was, as the head of Mattel, um, the head of the board of directors, which of course are all men, which is... Mm-hmm. Um, about as sharp as the satire can get for a movie made by Mattel about yes. Barbie. Yes. <laughs> I was actually surprised they got away with, with that. Yeah. There was a surprising amount of poking fun at the company of Mattel and the complicated history of the Barbie icon. Mm-hmm. But also, like, it can only go so far. Because it's, it's also being paid for by Mattel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just surprised they were able to get the joke in that mm-hmm. they, all the, the board members were... Were men. Were men. I don't know what the the board is made up of Mattel, actually. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised but, if it's a lot of men. <laughs> no. But that is a very pointed criticism that this... Yeah. Um, this supposed icon of femininity doesn't is, have... doesn't feel like it has the creative... It, creativeness of women behind it right yeah that was about as as mm-hmm. pointed yeah as they... and this sort of idea i mean i i think it's clever that i mean there's there's so many things that are clever about this movie and i think we're underplaying it because it was exactly what we expected <laughs> we expected this movie to be pretty good and it was pretty good which a, bit, a lot of people didn't because they didn't have the context for like Greta gerwig and yeah. noah bombach like what that would what that entails, but like would mean. I have a high film. bar for them, and they yeah. met that, and that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but um, like the fact that Barbie Land is aware of the existence of the real world, like mm. it's never a surprise. Like oh, there's this other world. Like no, of course, we're played with by little girls, and that dictates who we are. And this this world exists because of the creation of Barbie in the real world. Um, but there's also no connection to the, no direct connection to the real world, which is why Barbie thinks that feminism won, feminism solved everything. Well, she thinks that there is a connection in that they solved women's role in society. It's a one-way direction. They don't get feedback from the real world. Yes, yes. (laughs) Because in Barbie land, which is obviously the reality of the Barbies, they did solve all of that. Mm-hmm. Women can be anything they want, and there is no patriarchy. Um, and so that is, that's the closest we ever get to the fish out of water stuff, is sort of the Barbie realizing that the real world isn't like Barbie land in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, leads to the whole subplot of Ken discovering the patriarchy and deciding it's a good idea and bringing it back to Barbie land. In the most, like, outrageous, stereotypical... Mm-hmm. Well, and that, I mean, there's there's something to that, in that it's the most obvious version of it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. even the movie has the line of, like, it's like smallpox. Like, they were not prepared for it. Mm-hmm. They had no immunity <laughs> for what it's like. Um, which was a lot of fun, if a surprising turn for the narrative that we expect. I think mm-hmm. I think to a certain extent Barbie's storyline gets pushed to the back during a lot of that. 
um, or at least not as obviously about her growth and coming to understand who she is in that. Mm-hmm. But it does give Ross, Ryan Gosling a chance to sing a song about being Ken. I think he was much more musical theater inclined in this film than in La La Land. Yeah, I've not seen La La Land. I only know that you dislike La La Land rather extensively. Yes. yes. Um, which makes me think it might be La La Land's fault, not Ryan Gosling's fault. <laughs> hmm. Interesting hmm. premise there. Because uh. I mean, both Ryan Gosling and um, Margot Robbie were, of course, wonderful. They were great. They did... They were perfect for this film. They... It's hard to be, like praising of things that are just work. Yeah, it worked. It was the perfect choice. She was great. It was great. great. Very matter of fact. Like, (laughs) excellent. Every choice that was made worked. (laughs) I liked Ken's song so much it made me wish the whole film was a musical. I really wanted the whole film to be a musical. Especially knowing that a lot of the films that were inspirational for Greta Gerwig for this film were Were musicals. Yeah, were musicals. Were like Gene Kelly, Mm -hmm. classic Hollywood Mm -hmm. um, musicals. And we got that at its peak during Ken's song, and it was wonderful. I Mm -hmm. loved it. And it was a little disappointing that we didn't have more of that. Yes. It's like, oh, oh, this this was built for a musical. Like, now I can see the beats where yeah. the characters would have had songs. Oh, yeah. Like, there would have been a mother-daughter song. Mm-hmm. There would have been, um, like, a Barbie self-discovery song. Yeah. I think the, the Barbie party song would have been very much, mm-hmm. like, when they're all doing, like, oh, yeah, we have this, just, you know, a little party, just a bunch of choreographed dance routines and everyone in Barbie Land invited. Like, that should have been a musical number. And it was staged a little bit like a musical number. Um, But it was disappointing that it wasn't a full musical number. Um, Again, because the stuff with Ken in I'm Just Ken was top-tier cinema. (laughs) I could so see, like, the... um, Dream Valley within the Dream Valley from Singing in the Rain. Yeah. Um, which, if, for, for our listeners at home, we're referencing a uh, video that Greta Gerwig did with the website Letterboxd, where she talked, she created a watch list for Barbie and like 30 something films that were, you know, inspirations for Barbie. And she talked about the Dream Ballet within the Dream Ballet in Singing in the Rain, which is a wonderful piece of cinema. And Greta Gerwig definitely lifted that for the Ken dance song number thing that was great mm-hmm. and it's one of those times where it's not just an homage to do an homage but to be a part of the story and the self-discovery and heightening the artificiality of Barbie land mm-hmm. um, in very effective ways it worked, it's good I like it <laughs> I do wish, I, I mean not wish, but it is one that I would like to see again because I was like Firing off all these expectations at the time and trying mm-hmm. to do an analysis, and I couldn't like fully just enjoy. That's fair. The film. Yeah. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? Um, I think it's one of those things that if if I have a critique of the film, it's that I feel like it is at cross purposes with itself, simply by being made by Mattel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, I don't think you... I don't think... I know you can't make this movie without the presence of Mattel um, as a producer or a rights holder or, you know, that sort of a thing. And because of that, I feel like you can never fully have the critique that you might want to within a Barbie movie. Barbie is always um, uh, represented as empowered and empowering mm-hmm. in the film. There is no mention of the feminist critique, like, really, I think, of upholding beauty standards that are mm-hmm. impossible. Mm-hmm. And you have, 
you have the film working against that text in some subtle ways. I think the casting of the Barbies is a very good example of the film working against that critique of mm-hmm. Barbie the brand in a way that the text never quite meets. Yes, yes. So you have Margot Robbie's uh, Barbie is referred to as stereotypical mm-hmm. Barbie, which is there, like, self-identifying. We know of the critique yeah. of Barbies. Yeah, it's like, we know. It's like, I'm the Barbie you think of when you say think of a Barbie. Yeah. Blonde, um, thin, mm-hmm. very feminine, you know, mm-hmm. right proportions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you also have a lot of Barbies of color, mm-hmm. um, which aren't really given any place in the story. They're more of background. Yes. Um, and that you have... They're not agents of change. No. You also, in the background, have um, Fat Barbie, mm-hmm. Trans Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it should be noted that these are not, like... Trans Barbie's a doctor. I don't remember what Fat Barbie was, but she had a. I don't a remember either. Role. But and and their body shape or types are not a part of who they are. It's it's that sort of like no, of course, just one of the Barbies is played by a trans woman hmm. because of course, like why wouldn't she be? That's not related to the fact that she's a doctor. Um, those sorts of things where it's it's the film is is. Whew. That's a dangerous statement, Kevin. The film is doing the thing Hamilton does, which is putting diverse bodies into non-diverse roles. Without really critiquing the whiteness the, of it all. Yes. Um, like, I'm glad the Barbies look like that. I don't mind that. I think it's good. It's also true of the Kens. The Kens mm-hmm. all look and are very different. Um but that is not what the film is saying anything about. Mm-hmm. It's it's the sort of to the extent that it can it, it is allowed to critique these things. It has to do it in these subtle ways that are almost under the radar or or not going far enough. But if you were to go far enough, Mattel would pull the funding and then you wouldn't have a movie. Mm-hmm. So the same way that I think Hamilton can't become the Broadway powerhouse that it is without also reifying the sum of the things it's trying okay. to fight against. Mm-hmm. And I love Hamilton, too. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't mean that we don't still love it. Yeah, I can hold both of these ideas in my head at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> What else do you think? Um, well, I think getting to some of the critiques, and by critiques, I mean right-wing freak-out <laughs> that are not really critiques. I, I understand representation matters. Like Yes. Core belief. Representation matters. Representation have, is not everything. <laughs> have, you know, studied and written about it extensively. Mm-hmm. I... To, to me, this was the most non-threatening critique of patriarchy. <laughs> um, maybe coming from a background of feminist performance. Like, yeah. I know what's possible mm-hmm. yeah, out there. Yeah, this is very tame. <laughs> it's funny and pointed, but it's so over the top that it points out its own constructedness. Yes. And... To me, is so non-threatening. <laughs> I just, and I feel like I should better understand the threatening nature of it because I understand the representation matters. Mm-hmm. But maybe I'm just done. I don't want to engage with these, the right wing freak out. Yeah, no, I'm of, not. I I don't want to do that at all. I think if anything. Here's, here's me putting a positive spin on, not the right-wing freakouts, because don't care about them, um, about the depiction of patriarchy as used by Ken in the Barbie movie to take over Barbie land. The patriarchy used by Ken is, as used by Ken, is incredibly thin and 
It is literally a preschooler's understanding of how patriarchy works. Mm -hmm. Men are in charge because they should be, and there's horses. There are horses. And that's cool. Um, Which is all through the lens of Ryan Gosling Ken's understanding of the patriarchy. Which is a reflection of how hollow any patriarchal philosophy actually is. Mm -hmm. The reason reason that there's nothing behind it is because there's nothing behind actual patriarchy. There's not an inherent logic behind any of this. It's a thing that happened and is constructed and can be taken apart in the same way that you can take apart Ken's Mojo Dojo Casa House because it's made of plastic. Um, I think that is a fascinating and subtle thing, the film, way the film can be read. Mm-hmm. Um, because nothing about what he's doing is particularly persuasive or well thought out. <laughs> he comes back and says, we should be in charge and have horses. <laughs> And nobody really thinks about it. They just go along with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a lot about patriarchy. And the kids were like, this is nice, because now we're, now in, we're in charge. charge. <laughs> I mean, I could see the possible critique towards the end when the Barbies have taken Barbie Land back. Mm-hmm. And the kids are like, well, maybe we could have a little bit more power. And, and the Barbies are like, well... Maybe you can have as much power as women in the real world have. <laughs> I could see the critique being made of the whole pedestal, and you just want to be on. The women uh-huh. just want to be on the pedestal, and they're just going to impress, op- oppress men mm-hmm. uh, if they're in charge. The mm-hmm. way that men oppress mm-hmm. women, which yeah, I, I can see that critique. I just, I I, it's, not it's, a, there. it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. <laughs> I think it's a bad faith critique because I think. The way, if you, if you look at the way Kens are treated before Ken brings the patriarchy and the way Barbies are treated after Ken brings patriarchy, they are not the same. No, the Barbies really got a bad deal yeah. when, when the Kens got in charge. And so the implication that it's simply, oh, we're just flipping the script, we're just reversing it or reversing it back doesn't hold water within the text of the film. I don't think. But yes, I I could see how someone could look at that and say that the Barbie movie is just promoting matriarchy instead of patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that's a poor reading of the text. I guess I thought maybe that the right wing... um, I want to say conspiracy theories... Because they have about as much credibility. <laughs> it's a conspiracy. It's your so, podcast. You can call whatever you want. <laughs> right wing, quote unquote, critiques. Complaints. Had whining. complaints is a good. Yeah. Would have maybe slightly more validity than like the outcry of the Little Mermaid being black. But it doesn't. <laughs> but it doesn't. Yeah. Although I should say, from everything I've seen, the new Little Mermaid movie is not good. Yeah. <laughs> But it's not because Ariel's black. No. <laughs> it's not good because it's devoid of any solar personality. Um, yeah. Although, again, the, the largest the largest critique I have seen, complaint about the Barbie movie I have seen, is that they cast a trans actor as a Barbie. That's it. That's the biggest thing because they don't want trans people to exist. Yes. Um, anything deeper than that almost feels like a cover for we don't want trans people to exist. This whole thing smacks of gender. Yep, yep, there's a lot of gender. Flip over the table. Yeah. It's a good movie, though. It was a good movie. I have to say in the first, you know, little bit where they're doing that, like, throwback to 2001 Space Uh Odyssey Uh with the little girls and the the baby baby dolls. dolls. I couldn't focus on that scene Uh because all that was going on in my head was like, 
That's not historically accurate. We didn't start with baby dolls. We started with dolls of young women. Is, and that, is that the case? I think so. I, I only ask because I read um, a review of the Barbie movie this week by an older woman, self-described as an old blogger is what she calls herself, who says she remembers growing up with only baby dolls. No, this is something that happened in the 18th and 19th century. Interesting. So that it began, I think. Okay. We could be wrong. Someone can fact check me on this. Um, (laughs) Based on a dissertation I was reading. Yeah. um, That dolls started out as women. Interesting. And then, and so the, the thought process of what a little girl would learn from it changed when the dolls became young girls mm-hmm. and like children mm-hmm. and and babies yeah but it did not start that way that doesn't surprise me that that would be the case but i could also see like so many things in history um it being a certain amount of cyclical where the prominent doll at the onset of Barbie was the baby doll. Yes, yes. Which and is not what the film says. The yeah. onset, onset of the baby doll was to teach some mothering mm-hmm. skills. So yeah. they weren't wrong in that in the Barbie film. But I just... My brain was just like, wait, this isn't this isn't right. I can't I can't concentrate because they kind of got this. It's not one hundred percent correct. It's not one hundred percent because there's something interesting in that it may have started at least in in European culture mm-hmm. with um, young adult women as dolls. Yeah, no, I, I think there's absolutely something interesting there. Um, I also read something that there's there is a. I'm going to say theory, only because I have not looked at it beyond the occasional toot on Mastodon, that Barbie was in fact, that the doll Barbie was in fact um, partially based on a popular German doll um, who was a sex worker, which is an interesting historical tidbit. Yeah. Um, And I have done no research on it, so I can't say more than that and speak to the validity or invalidity of it. Other than I saw a picture of that doll and a picture of an early generation Barbie, and they did look very similar. Mm -hmm. But I don't trust most of what I read on the internet without actually further researching. Other than I go, huh, neat if true. (laughs) I don't need to learn more about it right now, so I'm not going to. Um, I thought, historical accuracy aside, I thought the opening... Reference to 2001 was a very clever choice um, for relatively quickly encapsulating the seismic shift that Barbie as a cultural event had on the space, uh, play space of young girls. I also wasn't expecting that scene. <laughs> It was a commentary yeah. scene. It wasn't. It wasn't taking place in the story of Barbie mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah, narrated by Helen Mirren, mm-hmm. which is great. Love Helen Mirren narrating things. Oh, that disappeared over the course of the film, which was a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was another one of those things that like felt like it was really strong at the beginning. And then was like, well, why couldn't we be here for the whole? Yeah. What is like? Where is the space for that additional commentary? Mm-hmm. Like the last thing I remember Helen Mirren narrating was saying that Margot Robbie was the wrong person to cast for this role if you were trying to make the point they were trying to make. Which that is, Barbie wasn't Barbie pretty without yes. makeup. Yes. Um, it's like note to the producers: Margot Robbie is the wrong choice if you want to make this point. Yeah. Which is very funny and true. Um, and she may have come back at the end, but I don't recall her coming back at the end. Mm-hmm. In the same way that I wish more of it had been a musical. I wish more of it had had Helen Mirren narrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you had the conflicting narrators at the beginning, because you had Helen Mirren narrating, and then you also had Lizzo singing a song about everything that was happening. Yeah, yeah. Which was a weird tonal event. 
Well, because we were watching it also with open captions, Mm -hmm. it was... (laughs) I kept switching between reading Lizzo's lyrics and Helen Mirren's text. And it was a little confusing to see it. Yeah. Uh, It was confusing to, to see that, but I think just narratively speaking, there's a lot happening in that moment when you have literally depictions of something happening on screen, the dialogue happening on screen, and two competing narrators, one in song, one in verse, and one in, mm-hmm. in prose, um, is a lot. <laughs> um, and then again, all of that kind of falls by the wayside over the course of the film, which is disappointing to the extent that it, it is. Still a fun movie. Still a fun movie. Still enjoyed it. Would watch again. Yeah. Um, I think... Barbie marketing team was really smart. Mm-hmm. Like one of those things they said is the trailer. Yeah, they didn't give the film away. Yeah. Um, I mean, for what it's worth, I remember um, the mom and daughter like being in the trailer briefly, but I would not have called out that they were pivotal to the plot at all mm-hmm. in in that sense. Well, I knew America Ferrera was in it, but I was thinking she was going to be a Barbie. Like, I didn't realize she was going to be a real world Yeah, yeah. Character. Like, I remember seeing America Ferrera in the trailer, and that's kind of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing Michael Sarah as Alan. I loved Alan. Yeah. It was oh, just the one great. Alan. I did really appreciate... Um, I don't think it was, like, fourth wall breaking, but the fourth wall leaning of pointing out the weird things in Barbie's history mm-hmm. and being like, nope, those are real things that happened. Midge, the pregnant Barbie. Yeah. Or uh, Sugar Daddy Barbie. Ken. <laughs> sugar, sugar Daddy Ken. He's a dad and he has a dog named Sugar. <laughs> or Magic Earring Barbie yeah. Ken. Ken. Um, those, like, weird, like, what? Or the skipper whose boobs grow when you raise her arm. Because she grows from a yeah, adolescent to an adult. Skipper. Yeah. Like what? Some weird We did that? But it was cool to see them like the little history lesson. Yeah. On a, the like, the types of Barbies and Kens we've forgotten about. Yeah, like the things that like make you go, What? Or the Barbie with the video camera in her mm-hmm. what <laughs> that's a real thing that existed uh, yeah I liked that I liked all of those things um, because overall the movie wasn't afraid to acknowledge even though it was maybe light on the critique sometime Barbie's weird not just weird Barbie the concept <laughs> of Barbie's kind of weird it's weird the history of Barbie's kind of weird. And when you see those weird Barbies pop up, mm-hmm. uh, you're reminded yeah. of of that. I remember Midge, the pregnant Barbie. I oh, think I my remember. sister had one. Interesting. Because <laughs> uh, I've, always, I've always thought about it, because you could pop her stomach out, and there was a little baby inside, and like... What? That burned itself into my brain. Because of course it did. That's a weird thing. Not only did it get mentioned in the film, yeah. it was an animated in the credits. Yeah. The weird... The weird Barbies. And, and Barbies. Yeah. yeah. So they really they kind of doubled down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The one thing... Um, I went into this film hoping for that it did not meet. This was not an expectation I had. This is something that I just wish it had done. Particularly when I saw that um, Michael Sarah was going to be playing Alan. I was hoping for the existence or the mention of Blaine, I believe his name is. I don't know Blaine. Um, was it Blaine? It was... So, at a point, I'm... I'm Furiously Googling this. Um, There was a breakup with Ken. Mm. 
Barbie cut it off with Ken and she started dating. I want to say his name was Blaine. He was a blonde surfer dude, which was weird. Um, and it lasted for a very short period of time, like a couple years. Uh, I'm control effing on my phone. Yeah, I, I'm not finding it. And maybe it's, his name's not Blaine. I don't know. Um, I'm mad about it. <laughs> maybe he's under the disc. He's under discontinued. Blaine Gordon, 2004. The only year he existed. Barbie's Australian ex-boyfriend who she dated with during her much-publicized breakup with Ken. I don't remember this. No. Nobody does. I mean, a lot of people don't remember Midge either. But, um, yeah, he was, he existed, honestly, for a brief publicity stunt <laughs> where Barbie had a breakup. And since a lot of the film was about the relationship between Barbie and Ken, I hoped they had pulled that and found a way to integrate it into the film. But they did not. I forgot he was Australian. That's even better. That is that is even better. <laughs> <sighs> but the film can't be what you want. It has to exist as, as, as it is. And as it is, it's a pretty good film. Yeah. It's a pretty good movie. Um, definitely heard people sniffling at the part when Barbie decides to live in the real world. And there's this montage of like home videos of women. Yes. Um, I felt like I should be feeling something through that, especially because I heard all the sniffling happening in the theater. Well, to be fair, the trio of women behind us were very vocal throughout the entire film. They were. And they pointed out when Weird Barbie gave stereotypical Barbie the choice between the heels. heels and the Birkenstocks, the lady behind me was like, oh, I have those Birkenstocks. I'm not wearing them today. I'm wearing a different pair of Birkenstocks. I was actually wearing Birkenstocks. When... <laughs> I realized when she said that, which was a lot of talking yeah. during the film, uh, I was like, oh, I'm wearing Birkenstocks. I had forgotten, <laughs> forgotten that. Yeah. Um... Apparently, but it wasn't oh, yeah. the ladies behind us that were sniffling. Oh, okay. It was it was in other parts of the theater that I heard the the, the sniffling. Yeah, it was it was very heightened emotional moment of of that sort of stuff. And then people like cheering in America Ferrera's speech, Monologue. which I didn't find that amazing. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I had I had well, but I had been seeing headlines about yeah. it, so maybe. Because it wasn't a surprise. Like, I, I, I hadn't I read about it. I just, I was like, uh-huh, yep, I've heard all of these. These are these are facts, I agree with them. Yeah. Like, I, I understand that it's a moment of catharsis in the context of the film, but you're not saying anything I'm not already aware of. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we did get one amen in the crowd, mm -hmm. which I thought was fun at the end of that. But it's so, like, participatory, and mm -hmm. everybody's been getting dressed up in their pink, mm -hmm. or in, like... You know, nice clothes to go yeah. to see it. Um, I wanted everyone to wear pink. My parents wore pink. They did. I had pink in my dress. I you had a maroon shirt, which was pink. the closest. I don't have a lot of pink clothes. Because, um, yeah. yeah the, you gotta be... It, the, I would have worn pink if I had it. Yes. I have no yes. problem with wearing pink. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and the Barbie box. Mm -hmm. What a brilliant stroke... Of, of genius marketing <laughs> because that's been all over yeah. social media again the marketing teams behind this have nailed it across the board um, I do think it's funny that the theater we went to had definitely it was a knockoff Barbie box yeah it was not it was, it was not, not official it was not an official Barbie box <laughs> it was a homemade one <laughs> but I think there's a certain amount of um, cuteness to that I appreciate that they we, we saw it in a local uh, art house theater. And we specifically Barbie. wanted to go see it in a local yeah. theater. Yeah. 
um, independently owned local art house theater showing other things like Past Lives and um, what was the other film they had showing that weekend? Um, oh yeah, the documentary about Wakaliwood films, mm-hmm. the super low budget Nigerian action movies. I think it's like, Uganda. It is Uganda. Sorry, yeah. Nigeria. Because near Nigeria is mm, Nollywood. Nollywood. Yeah. Sorry, um, Uganda. Anyway, like to have all of those, like I don't want to say obscure films, but low draw films, you know, that you can fill up an art house theater with, mm-hmm. but you're not going to hit megaplexes, and then also Barbie, <laughs> uh, which all the screenings that weekend were sold out, basically. Yeah, and that was the second weekend it yeah. was out, and there were lots of signs being like, "Look, we're out of Barbie tickets." Okay. You, sorry. <laughs> um, but yes, they had the knockoff Barbie box, which I was fine. Yes. You gotta get yes. your knockoffs. I think uh, they. I think it's a shame that the producers were willing to sell them the movie, not sell them, but you know, get them the movie to to screen, but not get a na- uh, name brand Barbie box. Yeah, I did see a couple of stories on social media of people who went to see um, the Barbie movie and there wasn't a Barbie box, and the theater managers were having a very bad day. I can imagine because there was no Barbie yeah, box. Yeah, and like. Being a manager of a movie theater, not a great job. Probably a difficult job on the best days. Um, but also, you have no control over whether or not a Barbie box shows up. That's all handled by people like 17 mm-hmm. layers above you in the org chart. Yeah. Interesting. Is the other indie art house um, cinema in Asheville also has Barbie. Mm. So it's just interesting because it's such a mainstream movie by indie filmmakers mm-hmm. that it's is giant movie stars hit, just hit over a billion worldwide yeah <laughs> it exists in this really interesting space um i think it doesn't hurt as well that we ended up with the the barbenheimer double feature that so many mm-hmm. people were a big fan yeah of. yeah um which we did not do we didn't do i'm i'm in no hurry to see oppenheimer um, I I very much uh, soured on the later works of Chris Nolan. I go, yeah, they're, they're fine. Mm. You're not um, reinventing Hollywood using the text of old Hollywood. No, I also don't want to see another great man story. Yeah, of a problematic thing that happened that they're not going to really problematize in the right. They're going to feel bad about, ways. It, about it, but yeah. I'm sure, yeah, Oppenheimer uh, felt bad about the bomb, but that wasn't the like the only <laughs> bad thing that happened around the development yeah. of the atomic bomb. There's a lot more there. I'd be interested to see a biopic of the atom bomb, where there's not a central main character like Oppenheimer, where it's well, there, about... We're also a lot of women working on the bomb, and a lot of women who were working on it and were like... Yeah, this there's some ethical things happening yeah. here that we're not talking about. Yeah, I think the entire Manhattan Project is a fascinating part of history, in context of all of that. But seeing it through the lens of one great man is uh, not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So we didn't go see Barbie Hammer, um, and are no particular rush to go see Oppenheimer. Um, I did see something that I thought was really funny, which is marketing people who are not as good at marketing as Barbie are trying real hard to do this for other. Weird combos. Um, the most particular one I saw is that um, Sony, the studio behind um, the Saw movies, pushed the Saw release date back to come out as the same day as the Paw Patrol movie, and they're trying to make Saw Patrol happen. No, and it's not going to happen because no. it's the tenth Saw movie. And the Paw Patrol movie. Like, nobody wants to see either of those. <laughs> well, kids want to see the Paw Patrol movie. Yes. Their parents don't want to go see no, it. That, like, the reason Barbenheimer worked was because they were both fairly anticipated movies. Like, a new Chris Nolan movie is a big deal in a lot of places. He makes movies people really like, and they're usually kind of interesting. He's been writing on, you know, the Batman trilogy for a long time. <laughs> Interstellar. But, yeah, like, this isn't the sort of thing you can manufacture. This is something like, hey, these are two movies that people are very interested in, 
and there's a fair amount of overlap in their potential audiences, mm-hmm. even though they seem like different movies. You can't make that happen. Saw Patrol. Saw Patrol. Oh, man, the trailer for Paw Patrol looked bleak. <laughs> I was... There is not an overlapping audience. No. Not, there's just not an overlapping not. audience. Uh, from a few parents I've I've talked to online, uh, mostly through Mastodon, Paw Patrol is a terrible show. Like, not like from a political standpoint of like, oh, it's about cops and ACAP or whatever. It's just like, no, it's just a bad show. It's just, like, miserable to watch. Mm. Like, there's a lot of kids shows out there that are, like, fun to watch. This was not those. This was just, like, parents hate it. <laughs> yeah, take your kids to uh, go see, you know... Saw 10. Well, obviously it's not for the kids. They're thinking the yeah. parents are going to. Yeah. I mean, I hope, obviously... I hope that's obvious. Yeah. Don't take your kids to see Saw. Barbie was rated PG-13, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wondering what it was rated. Yeah. Um, I couldn't tell you specifically why. Um, I think ratings Probably are just, opaque. like, adult themes. Yeah. Themes. It's got themes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't have it's... themes in our movies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Since we saw this in the theater, I am going to make us talk about the trailers we saw as well. Not as many trailers as I was expecting for a mega hit. I wrote down two names. That's all I remember. So, do you remember what trailers were that we saw? One was a Taika Waititi. Yep. Next Goal Wins. Which I'm always down to watch. I'm I'm always intrigued by a Taika Waititi movie. This one didn't sell me on its premise. Mm, Yeah, that's fair. Um, That's fair. Again, I trust Taika Waititi quite a bit. Thor, Love and Thunder notwithstanding. I think that's more of a Marvel problem than a Taika Waititi problem. Um, But the premise is uh, football, soccer, coach gets sent to a small... Samoa. Samoa. Yes, a small country. American it's, not a, it's not a country. It's a territory. It's U.S. territory. It was at one point a country. Yeah. <laughs> Until we took it we over. Can, we can talk about <laughs> the complexities of... To go coach their football team, and they have the worst losing streak in all of history, and it's based on a true story. And, like... I'm interested in that, not because of the story, but because... <coughs> Bless you. Taika Waititi's behind it, because it very much feels like it could be, like, a Bad News Bears plus colonialism, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm into that. <laughs> um, I remember that. Do you remember the other theater, the trailer we saw in the theater? Was it theater camp? It was theater see, camp. Yeah. yeah, that's also coming to the that was, Grail yeah. movie house. Or it's, it's I think playing it's right in now. the Grail. It's, like it's already now. playing right now, which is weird. It's the first time I recall seeing a trailer for a movie that I could have gone to watch today in the theater. Yeah. Uh, it looked cute. I, I had seen the trailer on YouTube, too, I and I thought um, it reminded me of a film from the early 2000s called Camp. Mm-hmm. Which I is about a, a theater camp. I remember camp. I like I liked camp a lot. Um, yeah. Camp was a weird experience to watch because I watched it when I was in college in a theater program mm-hmm. for the first time. I think I also was in college in in a theater program and, when I saw it. Um, some of it hit real close <laughs> in ways that I'm not. I was not comfortable with at the time, and so I've not <laughs> revisited camp. <laughs> Some of it hit real close, and I was I was uncomfortable. But that's yeah. not to say it wasn't a good film. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no theater camp looked. I wondered if you had heard anything about it because you I hadn't heard some good you things. hadn't said anything. So I was like, oh, it must be bad. No, I heard some good things. I heard um, uh, <laughs> one of the meanest things I heard about it was um, Ben Platt kind of redeemed himself for being in uh, Dear Evan Hansen. Ah. <laughs> It's like, well, maybe Ben Platt can do okay in things. Okay. <laughs> Which is a nice thing about the movie, but a mean thing about Ben Platt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I've never heard anything good about Dear Evan Hansen in the film. No. So. 
Were those the only two? Those are the only two I wrote down. Uh, there was also the Cindy Brady Barbie ad, which was not a well, trailer, but... Yeah, because the pre-show role in this particular theater had, had a bunch stuff. of Barbie ads, yeah. and they were... And that one was interesting, because you could go trade in your old Barbie for a new Barbie. Yeah, that was fascinating. Yeah. Get the, the new style of Barbie by trading your old one in at the toy store. Yeah. And the, um, I, that's a, actually not a bad idea. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. You trade it in, you pay a little extra, you bring a dollar and a quarter down to... You don't pay extra, store. you get a discount on the new Barbie. I guess that's a way of saying it. Like, Instead you, of paying like $3 for yeah, the Barbie, yeah, you pay a dollar so and a quarter I, I for got the Barbie. Um, yeah. I did um, get a little bit... The littlest bit peeved in that the women behind us misidentified which Brady daughter that was. Oh. They said it was Marsha. Yeah, and then they went through Marsha jokes. Yeah. And, and it's like, that's not Marsha, that's Cindy. <sighs> Get it right. <laughs> I thought it was Marsha. I'm I'm not entirely have faith in your uh, pinning of which Brady sister it was. <laughs> you you missed understand my deep knowledge of Brady. Oh! (laughs) I watched possibly every episode of the late period Brady sitcom where the two oldest Brady girls get married to a set of brothers and all have to live in the same house for some reason. (laughs) My knowledge of the Bradyverse is deep. No, I did not know this about you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, that was Cindy Brady. I'm just gonna, oh, okay. I'm just gonna stand behind. Okay. All right. You've got more credibility Marsh now. She's the oldest one. Jan's the middle. Cindy's the youngest one. The youngest one in curls. Um, neither Marsha or Jan were old enough. Both Marsha and Jan were too old to have played that part in a Barbie commercial. I don't know. The Barbie commercial looked to me like it was maybe from the '60s. Yes. The Brady Bunch was in the 70s. Yeah, but the characters, I think, were not the same age. Anyway, I'm 90% positive that was Cindy Brady. Hmm. We'll just have to go back to the Grail and watch it again. We'll have to watch it again. Uh, Okay, that's all the trailers we talked about that I wrote down. And then I wrote down zero notes about the actual Barbie movie. I was just letting it wash over me. (laughs) Any other thoughts? Oh, we covered a lot of ground. We talked a lot about a movie uh, for saying we had nothing to talk about. Uh, I don't know if we said any smart things, because that was my concern. I wouldn't have any smart things to say. We said Like, I'm sure there are a lot of think pieces. Yeah. Actually, I haven't seen a lot of think pieces. I've just seen social media posts yeah. about about it. I don't, I don't people's reaction. a lot of places with think pieces anymore. I... Don't subscribe, but they come to me in my feeds. Yeah. People posting them. That's fair. So that's where. Yeah. Uh, oh, the one thing um, we I feel like is at the end of the podcast we should talk about the last line of the movie, mm-hmm. um, which implies that by becoming real, Barbie gains genitals, mm-hmm. which is a bold choice to end your film on. <laughs> Maybe that's what's got us the PG-13. I mean, it could be. The implication of genitals. Um, uh, I I think there is an unfair reading of that that is, like, bioessentialist. Yeah. I thought about that at the time, but I'm also like... This is a weird thing to say. But Barbie is cis? Certainly stereotypical Barbie. Stereotypical Barbie is absolutely is cis. cis. And so because of that, I'm not bothered by her becoming real and getting a uterus and a vulva and all of that sort of stuff. Like, that that doesn't concern me in the way that... Because it, I don't read it as equating that genitalia with womanhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I, I had similar thoughts. Yeah. I went th- through the same yeah. thought process. It's like, no, but stereotypical Barbie is definitely six. Yeah. And there's some commentary there about, like, what does that mean? How do we know and why? Um, but real weird joke to end your movie on. <laughs> but it makes sense knowing something about the filmmakers. Oh, yeah. No, again, this is a little weird indie art house movie made with a giant budget. By a mega conglomeration. <laughs> what? How? That does remind... I did have another yep. thought about it. And it was about America Ferreira's husband. <laughs> and what a lump he... They made him out to be. They did make just, him out to be quite a lump. Um, just some... She's working and taking care of the kids. And he's just sitting doing dueling on yeah. the couch. Um, and, and no other commentary was made <laughs> about maybe improving their relationship and the division of duties I and mean, like, or, you know, she makes a comment that she's like dark and funny and crazy uh-huh. and that is not her husband. <laughs> and maybe she has lost part of herself mm-hmm. to be in this relationship mm-hmm. with him, but there's... Uh, that's me reading a lot, in, yeah. a lot, a lot into it. But I kind of was a little mad he was at the end of the film, too, still being a lump. In defense of the lump, a weird sentence that is, in defense of the lump, he's learning Spanish and Duolingo so he can better communicate with his wife, who is clearly bilingual. Okay. That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> I... Don't disagree with any of that commentary um, that you've read into the film. My take a little bit on her husband, who I don't even know gets a name, as I read it as um, almost a play on the gender role expectations traditional to Hollywood filmmaking, where, you know, oh, there's an off-scene wife off-screen just doing whatever, and, like, we pay lip service to her existence. Does she exist? Does she have a personality or a life? Who knows? We don't care. That's not what we're interested in here. Mm-hmm. And so putting that onto the text of a husband is how I read that. Okay. I could see I could see that. We can have differing opinions and read some text. No, I know. I think that is an interesting read. <laughs> yeah. On it. Because the he is he is paid lip service and minimal thought is given to him over the course of the film. Like, America Ferrera and her daughter are going to travel to Barbie Land, a potentially perilous journey, because, you know, it's a different dimension entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, oh, should we tell Dad? Should we worry about him? Yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. Like, that's that's funny. I think it's objectively funny, but I think it's also sort of a play on those expectations when a, a man goes off on the woman that's waiting for him at home. Yeah. Barely being a human. That makes me feel less like the filmmakers missed uh, opportunity for the critique of patriarchy mm-hmm. and heteronormative yeah, relationships. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I, I'm always willing to give more space to the critique of patriarchy and heteronormative relationships. Um, but I, I read that as a fairly deliberate choice to minimize his presence and personality and existence. Okay, that was my last That's thought. That's it. We really got all of it. Okay. I think. Tell them about our Patreon. We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash five degrees. Um, you can support us. on It's on a per episode basis. You can put a monthly cap on the number of episodes you support. So if we go over that cap, you won't be charged for them. There are two perks. One is the super duper unedited, unedited version where you hear from when the mic turns on to when it turns off where we talk to our cat mostly and Kevin gets the squeaks out of his chair. Yeah. And then the second perk is you get a list of movies we didn't watch because mm-hmm. Kevin usually picks five and then I pick one from that list. Yeah. Not this time though. Not this time. we both picked Barbie. We both, yeah. There's there's no extra movies this time. Yeah. We thank you for listening and hope you support us 
either on Patreon or by rating review us on your favorite podcatcher or just listening yeah, to an episode. Great. That is support. Did I catch it at all? That's all the things. Okay. Oh, did you say our website? Oh, we have a website. It's five degrees between dot us. Yeah, it's very clever. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can see all the episodes listed. Yeah. Also, uh, I made a list on Letterboxd of all the movies that we've done episodes about. And I have to add Barbie to that list now. Okay. I don't know what that means. Letterboxd, Letterboxd is a website. It's but... a website for tracking the movies you watch. Oh, it's like Goodreads it's for like Goodreads movies? for movies. Mm. And I watch uh, movies on it and rate, and rate them and do little capsule reviews and things like that. Okay. And you can make lists. And I made a list of all the movies that have been on our podcast. Which is a weird list because I list them in order of episodes. And so the first movie always on there is... Do you remember our first movie? No. Men in Black International. <laughs> I don't remember watching that. <laughs> it wasn't a great movie. Is that the latest Men in Black? It's the one with uh, Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Oh, okay. I remember that existing. It was not good. It was yeah. a waste of Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Yeah, I, that's that's kind of ringing a bell. I have a terrible long-term memory. Yeah, I can't fair. remember these things. All right. Well, that's all our stuff. Say good night, Amy. Good night, Amy.